0: Don't tell anyone I'm free.
1: Don't tell anyone I'm free. Hello, and welcome to BSD Talk, number one hundred and forty four. It's Friday, March twenty one, two thousand and eight. I just have an interview for you today, so here it is. Tonight on BSD Talk, we're speaking once again with Dan Langell. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for calling and having me on. Yeah, so it's been a while since I've talked to you. What have you been up to? I guess
0: the last time we spoke would have been about this time last year. Since then, just before the last BSD Can, I got a job with a company down in Florida. So I moved to Florida, I think it was late. April, early May, something like that. So I moved all my gear down there and then flew back and ran BSD Can and then drove down in the car. And last year was also the first year I ran a new conference, which was PGCon, which is, is usually right after BSD Can and the same venue, same format. And so basically, in one of my opening talks last year, I said, well, you know, I've been running conferences for a few years now. I thought I wanted more of a challenge, so what did I do? Decided to move just before the conference, and not move across town or across the state or province, but you know, move to another country. People chuckled at that. And so, shortly after getting in my car after the conference and driving south, I found out that the job was outsourced, and so the six weeks after moving countries, I no longer had an income. So, I spent the summer in South Florida, which is not the time you're supposed to be in Florida. Most people go there during the winter. But I had a good time. I did a lot of mountain biking, and eventually I had had to leave and come back to Canada to get uh, another work permit. But uh, I did that, and I had another job, and that job was in Pennsylvania. And now I'm working for Affilius, and a lot of people will have never heard of Affilius, but they run a lot of Top-level domains. They they are a registrar services provider, or a registry services provider. So what they do is someone has to host the database that contains a list of all the domain names for .org or .in or .asia .info. And affiliates host. Sorry, they don't host those domains. They keep a record of all those domains in a database. And from that database is extracted the whois info and the list of of name servers that go go with each domain and stuff like that. That's really simplified and generalized.
1: From what I remember, isn't the .org top-level domain hosted on Postgres?
0: Yes. In fact, all the top-level domains that Affiliates handles are are run on Postgres. One of the things that came out of Affiliates that the Postgres aficionados will know about is Sloney, which is a replication system. And that was developed in-house and released open source, and Affilius makes a lot of use of that. And what I'm doing for Affilius is database administration for Postgres. I'm on the data warehouse side of it, and I'm working in a, in a small town outside of Philadelphia called Horsham, and I live about five or six miles from there in a, in a town called Warrington, and I live right beside the Willow Grove Naval Air Station. And based there are A-10s, the Warthogs. And from my front door, I can see them taking off and and heading north. It's really cool. They're they're really slow-moving. They they look really weird, and they're very quiet. Uh, A truck driving by on the road will will drown out the sound of the A-10 taking off. But they're really cool. Moving up to Pennsylvania was interesting in that I just spent the summer in the tropics, and now here I am spending a winter in the north. But surprisingly, there's been no snow here all all winter long. The grass has been green far more often than it's been white. It'll snow, and then it'll be gone in two days' time. And if it snows, it may only be an inch or so. But basically, it's been three months of late autumn, as far as I'm concerned.
1: It doesn't quite compare to the winters in Ottawa.
0: No. I've seen photographs of my parents' house. They have about seven feet of snow in front of their house. And then the snow banks are higher still than that. They've had record snowfall this year. The city blew their snow removal budget, I believe, after the first storm or two. There's just been so much snow compared to last
1: year. So you've been doing database administration, obviously with a BSD-licensed database. Are they wise enough to be running this on a BSD operating system? No.
0: They're actually running AIX in-house, and there's there's business reasons for running AIX. There is BSD in the company, and I wasn't the first BSD-related person to be hired. Well, I won't say BSD-related, but pe- people that, that know and use BSD. Jean, she's been there for about a year now, and she's been running BSD for a while. She also run, runs a Mac, and her, her laptop now runs PCBSD. And Jeremy I knew him off FreeBSD IRC channel on under, UnderNet. And right after I moved to Horsham he, he works in the building next to me. Same office complex but just the building next door. And he just got hired by affiliates to work as a net, network admin. So he he's working with us now. He's he's basically moved across the parking lot and he's been using FreeBSD for a long time. We've also got John, who's a network contractor, and he, he's BSD-savvy as well. But apart from us three, there's not really anyone that uses BSD. I think Jan, Jan, like that, uses um BSD sometimes. Yeah, he does. He runs VMware on his laptop and then runs FreeBSD inside that. And that's what he does most of his slony development on. So, yeah, that, that's three or four of us at least all within you know a fog cu- cubicle radius that, that all work with ESD at least at least recreationally if not um,
1: professionally and obviously the decisions were made before you were hired but do you have a sense of why they eventually settled on Progress for their database
0: I think it just it, it just well suited what they wanted to do I think I think it was a licensing <laughs> issue and the fact that it it was pretty powerful. They they were looking at some commercial databases before that and they just I don't I, I don't know the details in the background enough, but they've been using postgres since at least 2004 before 2004 because Yan gave the first Solani talk at BSG can 2004 so they must have been going for at least a year before that.
1: And do you have a sense of either the size of the data set or the number of transactions. I don't know whether it's a particularly large or heavily used database.
0: It's pretty big. Like Some of the databases are huge and will literally have tens of millions of those in them. I don't want to talk about number of domains or stuff like that, but there is a lot of data in these databases. If you turn Postgres right, the data just flies through and... If you've structured it improperly, then you've got to fix it and and make it run faster. But Postgres seems to handle it fairly easily. The the bottleneck isn't usually the database. It's usually either the the disk or something like that. It's not not an issue getting stuff in and out of Postgres. We don't have any trouble meeting our service-level agreements because of Postgres.
1: Yeah, I've always preferred Postgres, but I've never had an extremely large database or something that's been pounded by lots of users. So I really don't have a good sense of how difficult it is to keep it running or whether it requires constant tweaking.
0: It's definitely not constant tweaking. Once you get the stuff set up and running, it just runs. And there are, there are a, lot of, a lot of domain transactions in a given day. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Imagine how many people you know that have domains and then Multiply that by a whole lot, and especially when you get into people registering domains that don't do much and stuff like that, and you you get a lot of domains going through in a given day. That's for sure.
1: So I can imagine starting a new job obviously takes a lot of time to get up to speed. And how's it been trying to one get your life settled in Pennsylvania and two start preparing for the next BSD can?
0: Affiliates has been really good that way. I've only just recently been able to to start doing real database stuff with them in, in terms of you know, showing that you know this is what I can do and this is how I can help. And so some of the stuff that I've done recently has been getting more into the heavy lifting side of things, but there's an awful lot to learn in, in a complex environment such as what Affilius is running. So it takes me a while to get into that and, and find my niche and learn enough that I can start helping the uh, developers and uh, the programmers around me. The biggest problem has been has been things like finding where is there a good place to buy groceries because there's a lot of places around to buy groceries. Finding out where there's a good mountain bike mechanic. And then the interesting thing is uh, I've always run the conferences from Ottawa while living in Ottawa. And I remember at the initial outset, people were saying, okay, well, wh- when are you going to move the conference, say, to the West Coast or down to Toronto or something? I said, As long as I'm living in Ottawa, the conferences are going to be in Ottawa. And now I'm not living in Ottawa, and the conferences are still in Ottawa. And people have asked me about that. And the simple answer is logistics. I know the University of Ottawa. I know the suppliers I use around there. So the amount of effort that it takes to have the conference at the same place each year reduces the amount of effort I have to put into it and reduces the overheads that I have and it means that I can concentrate more of my efforts on the, the talks and the speakers rather than worrying about, okay, does this room have good sight lines so that everyone can see the slides? Can we record the talks? You know, Is there enough room in the lobby for everyone to mingle between the talks and stuff like that? It's just easier to keep going back to the same place. Some people may get bored with it, but... It's easier traveling to the same place every year for the attendees because they already know how to get from the the airport to the U of O. They know where they can get something to eat. They they know where they can get their coffee in the morning. Uh, They know how to find their way around campus. So there's a comfort level that comes with familiarity, and that's an advantage both to me and to the people that attend the conferences as well.
1: And registration has just opened, so why don't we talk a little about the specifics of this year's conference?
0: Well, for those that don't know, and everyone really should know, uh, BSD CAN is held at the University of Ottawa, which is in Ottawa, Canada, and that's sort of uh, between Montreal and Toronto, and about eight hours' drive north of New York City. This is the fifth year, 2008. It will be the fifth year of BSD CAN. Uh, This year, we have a lot of invited talks, more than we have had in any other year. They cover a fairly interesting range of topics, the invited talks to We're having a closer look at the ZFS file system. Powell is coming over to give that talk. Uh, we're going to have a talk by Chris Lattner, who um, is associated I think he works for Apple, about a BSD licensed C++ compiler that he's working on. Kern Seibold is coming over from Switzerland to give a talk on Bacula. And anyone that knows me knows that uh, I'm a Bacula developer and I've been working on it for a few years. Leslie Hawthorne from Google is coming to give a talk about the Google Summer of Code. Constantine is going to give a talk on the OpenBSD hardware sensors framework. I know that we've had a similar talk in the past, but this will be more detail about recent work. Randall Stewart's going to give a talk on SCTP and what it is and how to use it. It's, he's going to talk about the extended socket API and and what's available to SCTP users. And then the last of the invited talks, Matthew Herb will be giving a talk on X.org and will tell us about their upcoming plans. That's an overview of just one, one track and the other tracks are hacking, system administration, there's a social track that everyone knows about, there's also going to be some boss, there's an embedded track, a virtualization track, there's the tutorials as usual, and then there's the opening and closing sessions. I was talking to someone on IRC two days ago and they said, I oh, usually you don't look at the talks that are at BSD can because I always go, but I went and had a look this this time wow, there's a lot of really good talks in there. I'm quite impressed. So I I copy and pasted that, and I'm going to put it somewhere on the website. That that was one of the top BSG developers that said that.
1: There'll also be a variety of social events and late-night hacking sessions and opportunities for developers to put the nose to the grindstone and hammer out some new code.
0: Yes. There's going to be at least 60 developers there. That's going to be my guess. At the moment, we've got about 30 signed up, but usually between the time registration opens and the time the conference starts, that number doubles. So we're going to have about 60 developers on site, and they're they're going to be doing some talks amongst themselves before the conference proper. They're also going to be doing some work in the evenings. There's a hacking lounge that they've got set up that they're going to be working in. Everyone knows that BSD Can registration starts from the pub in the Royal Oak pub on the Thursday night before the conference starts on Friday. So everyone shows up there, picks up their t-shirt, the registration pack, and has some beer. I think it was last year or the year before that I found out from the manager at the Royal Oak that uh, the consumption of Guinness goes up by at least three times during the week of the conference. So... We definitely drink a lot of Guinness, and and they are definitely happy to see us. Then on Friday and Saturday night, people will also be at the pub. And then on Sunday, we're going to have some tourist events going around. In past years, we've visited a nuclear fallout shelter. We've gone through the Houses of Parliament, Science and Tech Museum. One year, someone went to the Mint. There's the National Art Gallery of Canada... Is a museum of civilization across the the river. This year, we've added a, a new map, a Google map, to to the uh, homepage, which shows a lot of the the highlights around around the conference venue that are easily within walking distance. But basically, if there's someone that you've always wanted to meet, some certain developer that you wanted to meet, then if they're at the conference, you can just go up to them and say hi and talk to them and buy them a beer at the pub. It's all a very friendly, approachable social setting. So you don't have to be worried about, oh my God, there's so and so. He's been a developer for years. I can't go up and talk to him. Oh yes you can. You just you just go up and say hi. ESC can has has always been that way. It's it's always been small enough to be able to talk to anyone you want, but big enough so that we're attracting very good talks a lot of developers and a wide range of people within the user base.
1: And you all set with all your sponsorship, or are you still seeking sponsors for the conference?
0: We've got the usuals back again this year. We're always looking for more sponsors because the more sponsors we can get, the the, the more things that we can give to to the um, people attending the conference. Uh, This year we've got uh, the FreeBSD Foundation is back, Google is back, Usenix is back, I think this is about the third year in a row for all of them, if not more. We've also got ZipLink is going to be our t-shirt sponsor, and, and Juniper Networks is is back again as the Lanyard sponsor. There's still a few a few special opportunities available, and there's always room for other people to come on board, say with a few hundred dollars and contribute that towards someone's travel or something like that. One of the things that, that we've always done for, for speakers is is if they cannot afford to get themselves here or work won't pay for it or there's no other way and they can't afford it, then BSC can and will, will pay their travel and accommodation. And that allows us to get speakers that we normally wouldn't get. This year we've got speakers coming from, two, I think it's two from Australia, several from Europe as usual and a lot from the States. I think someone's coming from Japan. We get speakers from, from all over the world, so being able to help out those that, that, you know, literally traveling here is worth a few months of salary, then, yeah, um, we try to do that, and it's the sponsors that allow us to be able to do that.
1: And what about the overall cost to attendees for both the conferences and housing?
0: One of the things about staying on campus is that accommodation can get uh, ridiculously cheap. We've got some two-bedroom suites that we stay in, and they're $100 a night. So if there's one in each room, it's only $50 a night. And if you want to pack four into a room, it's 25 each. And that's ridiculous. That's, a, that's such a low price for being in an urban setting. Uh, admission fees start at uh, $60 for students, and then it's $200 for well, 195 for individuals. So, your biggest expense, I think, is going to be your travel, your your travel, your airplane ticket. If you can drive here, it's very economical once you get here. And even the beer is fairly cheap, and it's good Canadian beer, too, I might add.
1: Yeah, unfortunately for me, the dollar is getting weaker, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's still.
0: That. I've, I've had to adjust the U.S. prices. <laughs> We're accepting the U.S. dollar at par this year. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not giving you a bonus on it, but we're accepting it apart.
1: well it was a great event when i attended it last year and I, I definitely look forward to being there again this year and you know it's a beautiful city and it's nice to be right on campus so there's not a lot of costs getting back and forth to the conference and just always a great time
0: yeah you drove up last year it took you about what six eight hours drive mm-hmm. all the way up Yep, came from montreal i think
1: yep and i did a little carpooling on the way
0: well, hopefully all the snow will be gone. I have no doubt that it will be, because all, all through March, it's going to start melting by the end of March, and then April, it'll it'll basically disappear. So the Tulip Festival is is during BSD camp, and they always have the tulips out. So the snow will be gone. How green the grass is depends on how how long the snow has been gone. But some years, we wind up having to put sunblock on. Some years, have to carry umbrellas, but most of the activities inside anyway so it's always a good time.
1: Are well, there any other aspects to the conference that you wanted to talk about?
0: If anyone uh, from OpenBSD or NetBSD is, is thinking of coming and wants to give a talk we've got some slots that we're keeping open for them and they're, they're often a last minute addition. Yes, we'll welcome more sponsors and Now's a good time to register. Try and book your accommodation early because it's going to be quite busy this year in terms of uh, other events on campus.
1: All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me again. Okay. You're welcome. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 144.